Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I am here with my sister, Jody. Hello. Okay, so I have a happy hour Woo-hoo. for us. I did the Netflix documentary called Long Shot. I've never seen it, never heard of it. It's a great story. Okay. okay. Now, this is about a true crime story, but I do want to say that it doesn't go into details whatsoever about oh. this crime. It kind of gives you an overall view of what happened during the entire story. Okay. So, um, I won't know many specifics. Mm. Okay. okay, so it starts off with a shot of a stadium of stadium seating. There's empty seats, and we hear the typical announcer voice come on, and it says, "We have the paid attendance tonight of twenty-seven thousand four hundred and fifty-eight." Then another voice comes on, and says, "All of life is what ifs." Um, I don't know that any of us can identify the role that we bring to lives that we share in common. So it's just what ifs, it's coincidences, it's, mm-hmm. it's how life works. So Then we see a man that is obviously uh, in court, and we hear the judge announce people versus Juan Ignacio Cal- uh, Catalan. And she asks if this is his true name, and he says, yes, ma'am. Then we hear someone talking that I assume to be Juan, and he says that he was born in Los Angeles in 1978. His dad bought a house that was about 15 to 20 minutes away from Los Angeles in the suburbs, and his brother Mario started hanging out with the wrong crowd, and he had always looked up to Mario, and he started coming home with stereos and car parts, and this intrigued Juan. So he started hanging out with them too, and he said that that when they would break into cars that he would always be the driver Uh, it was then that he got arrested and he said that that was going to be my last trip to jail he's like i didn't like that so (laughs) i'm not going back there so august uh 12th 2003 he had just broke up with his girlfriend alma and he called her and asked her to come over and spend the night he says that he was a very very persuasive, so she did. <laughs> <laughs> so that night, he actually had a nightmare about aliens. He said it was about aliens or something, and they were taking him away. He's like, swear to God. And that's kind of weird when, uh, you know, what happens next happens. So they woke up. It was like any other day. They drive to work. It was about 7.30 in the morning, and his dad was already there. He said his dad was usually the first one there around 6 o'clock. And him and his girlfriend, Alma, they work at the same place. So they drove together. Uh, Alma says that when they pulled up into the parking lot, she did notice a truck that was kind of close to their car, and that's when it all happened. As soon as Juan opened the door, he was surrounded. He thought he was going to die. They threw him on the ground. Then he sees his dad poke his head out of the shop and he says uh, he saw him and he said when he saw him that was as far as he could get because this man is trying extremely hard not to cry. So we then hear a detective introduce himself and his partner. So it's Detective Rodriguez and his partner Detective Pinner and we hear the interview after Juan is arrested. So right away, 
Juan asks, what is going on? He has no clue what's going on. And they respond with, we hope you are going to talk to us about what's going on. Wait a minute, stop. Okay. So why is he arrested? Well, you'll find out. Were, were the cops the ones that surrounded him? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so Juan is like, he, he has no fucking clue. <laughs> Obviously, he has no clue what's going on. So then Alma is back, and she said that Detective Juan Rodwee... Rod... Rodriguez? Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Don't. <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> comes to the house and talks to her. <laughs> She's very emotional talking about all this as well, and she said that he told her that Juan <laughs> was arrested... <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say one without it sounding wrong. One world we Okay, sorry. Sorry. Me too. Okay. Where was I? <laughs> okay, so he tells her that Juan was arrested for the murder of Martha Puebla, a 16-year-old who had testified in a case that his brother was involved in. Um, his brother was the co-defendant in this case. So Juan and Alma both went to this hearing when Martha testified. And when you go... You know, when you go to see a hearing, they take a copy of your driver's license. So they knew that he was there the day that Martha testified. Uh, they remember seeing Martha, and uh, Martha actually stated that she didn't see who the murderer was. So he never thought anything, Juan never thought anything of it. Um, they were just watching someone testify, mm-hmm. period. Then we see a video from the trial, and we hear audio from the initial interview, and Juan's brother is insisting that he didn't kill anybody. So, the case that Juan's brother was was involved in was a murder case. Martha testifies at that murder case, but she doesn't point anybody out. Mm -hmm. Juan happened to be at that murder hearing, because his brother is involved, sees Martha testify, doesn't think anything of it. Now, Martha has been murdered, and he's been arrested for her murder. Okay. Okay. So, Juan is back, and he says that he had a cousin that was always bragging about this kick-ass lawyer that he has. Uh, And now Juan is saying this, he's saying this with a smile on his face. So, then we see an old clip of the TV show Hard Copy and the guy on there is talking about cheaters and scammers in las vegas you know typical hard copy stories Mm -hmm. Uh, then we see todd melnick and he's the the defense attorney and i'm pretty sure it's the same guy that was on hard copy so this guy used to be an announcer for hard copy now he's a a lawyer okay but he's he's now on and he says that he met Juan when he was working criminal defense. He was working it for about 10 years at the time. And he asked him about the facts of the case and he wasn't expecting what he was told. We then see footage from the courtroom and we see Juan, but we hear the lawyer ask Detective Pinner, what time did the 911 call go out with respect to this murder that happened on May 12th? 
The detective answers 10.43 p.m. Then Todd is back, and he says that he didn't know anything about this case. He didn't know what evidence they had. He didn't know how many witnesses or what they saw. Then we go back to the courtroom, and the detective is asked about Juan's facial hair and what it looked like at the time of his arrest. He answers with a mustache, slightly unshaven, with a little patch under his lip. Then they show a sketch of the suspect in the murder, and it looks nothing like Juan, in my opinion. It looks nothing like him. Okay. The facial hair matched uh, what the detective had described. Um, And then we see, or then we, then Juan says that they showed him this sketch and that they told him that this was him. Then they start describing the suspect, and Juan is a very small guy. He's very thin, very small, and the guy that, the they even describe the suspect as stocky. And the detective even says the word that someone described him as stocky. Juan was anything but stocky. Mm-hmm. He is, he's short and small. But he's very thin. And, like, stocky is not a word I would use to describe him at all. And even in the sketch, you can tell that the guy is, like, shorter and thicker. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a thicker guy. He's stocky. Juan is not. Anyway, Juan starts arguing with the detective, saying that he has never... He's like, I have never had hair under my lip before. And the detective, he's like, well, you have it right now. And Juan's like, I'm in jail. I haven't shaved. <laughs> so, so, like, that doesn't hold up very well. Juan says that he was identified from a piece of paper with black and white grainy photos of six men. And Juan was the one that they pointed out. Todd said that he had a gut feeling that there was no way this kid committed murder. And he was right. It seemed completely out of his character. And he told Juan, he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. So Todd is questioning these detectives in the courtroom, and he asked them to lay out in chronological order what the police do on every case. Then he asked Juan, well, do you know where you were when they say that you were doing this? So May 12th was around Mother's Day, and Alma remembered that he was at a Dodgers game on that day. So Juan had bought his mother, he, he, dude, he bought his mom Dodger tickets knowing she wouldn't want to fucking go. Ah, rude. He's so proud of himself. He's fucking (laughs) smiling, like, shit-eating grin. I'm like, are you fucking serious? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I I did that. (laughs) So, (laughs) but like, honestly, Thank God. I mean, this is fucking crazy. Listen to this. Okay. So all we need to do is prove that he was at that game. He said he wasn't even supposed to be at that game. He said that it was short notice. He didn't know who to take to the game. So he ended up taking his six-year-old daughter and his friend Ruben and his cousin Miguel. And because the baseball game, the baseball game was nothing out of the ordinary. Everything was totally fine with it. 
So Todd, Todd is back, and he's talking about the Martha Puebla case. And according to the eyewitnesses, Martha had been at her residence, and she had come outside to talk to other young adults, he says, around 10 p.m. Just about this time, the witnesses see a Chevy Malibu slowly going through the neighborhood several times. And right at this time, Juan is realizing at the game that the game is going to be running late and they're they're not going anywhere for a while so they you know how these documentaries go they switch back and forth Mm -hmm. so so he's at the game they're not going anywhere for a while the game's going to run long is what he's thinking so todd is back and he says that the person driving this car stopped got out and approached martha Juan comes back on and he's still watching the game and he's getting his hopes up that maybe this next hitter will hit and it's the ninth inning so maybe the game will end on time. Then back to Martha says that the guy was like he got out of the car and approached Martha. She said hey you know me it's it's Martha. He says no I don't pulls a gun out of his waistband and shoots her in the face. Then they switch back to the game. The hitter slams it out of the park, brings in all the runners. So this 4-4 tie just becomes a landslide win for the other team. And Juan's like, okay, let's get out of here. Back to Martha. or The main eyewitness, just seeing a murder, drops his phone, runs, gets, gets the fuck out of there. Back at the game, Juan grabs his daughter. They're leaving the game, and Juan spots this table with baseball cards on it. And he, he said he had to stop. He's like, I have to. So they stop and they buy some baseball cards. Uh, police talk to the owner of the cell phone that had been dropped. And they get him to look at dozens and dozens of photos. And he doesn't see anyone that looks familiar. So he does the sketch of the suspect. Which is the one that uh, doesn't look like Juan at all, in my opinion. Juan bought a few packs of baseball cards. And he said they opened them. And that was it. They went home. Then we see Juan being led out of the courtroom in handcuffs. Then we meet Beth Silverman, who is the deputy district attorney. And she is saying that we have so much evidence. We have a sketch. The witness gave them within days of the homicide. Within days Mm -hmm. of the homicide. She also says the sketch is strikingly similar to Juan. And um, no, she wants the sketch to be similar to one mm-hmm. but the only similarities are that they are both hispanic males mm-hmm. that is it dark hair dark eyes that's it yeah otherwise that guy is short and stocky you can totally tell and one is wiry thin small guy anyway todd is back and states that beth has never lost a murder case in her career and she's back talking about martha and states that she was murdered because she testified in juan's brother's case juan was in the courtroom when she testified which is true um but why wouldn't he be exactly exactly he didn't have any fucking revenge to get on Mm -hmm. it for his brother like she's making up some sort of story so Todd is back and, and states again that Beth is called the sniper because she picks people off with the death penalty. And she makes up shit as she goes on. Yeah. Then they ask Beth, do you think Juan Catalan had any kind of legitimate alibi at all? She immediately says no. 
<laughs> bitch, watch this. Todd is back and says that he asked Alma to please find those tickets. Alma said she looked everywhere. No tickets. Uh. They couldn't find them. Then Alma found a Dodger envelope. Next thing that Todd did was contact Sam Fernandez, and he is the senior vice president for the general counsel for the LA Dodgers. So Todd had him take him to the, he went to the stadium and he took pictures of where the dugout was compared to where the tickets were. And he was looking to find someone that could possibly testify that they saw Juan there. So Juan got these tickets from someone who held season tickets. So just because someone holds season tickets doesn't mean that they were at the game necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they tracked down several people, but no one was willing to testify that they saw him for sure because there's like 25,000 people there or something like that. It's crazy. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely not. I, I don't mean, pay any attention to the people. Exactly. Like who does? Unless why something would you? crazy happens. Right. Exactly. I mean, why would you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Juan is coming back every now and then saying that, like, you know, just basically saying how terrible his experience was in prison. He was in there with the hardest criminals. You know, they think that he walked up to a 16-year-old girl and shot her in the face, you know? That's bad shit. Mm -hmm. So Todd is back, and he has learned that there is a second set of cameras called Dodger Vision at the stadium. So this is the in-house films with the videos that you would see on the big screens. It's like the kiss cams, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So Todd has watched these tapes trying to find one in any of these within thousands of people he actually did find one sitting in the seats that he was supposed to be sitting at in but the resolution was so terrible it could literally be anybody um so they show it and it's it's bad it could be any dark male you know So Juan is back, and he's just talking about how horrible his experience was being in jail, saying talking to his kids was the worst because he didn't have answers to their questions, which, I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine. Mm-mm. He said he kept thinking about the uh, about hearing cases of people who were exonerated 20 to 30 years after they got yeah, arrested. Yeah, sad. Yeah, he just, like, that shit keeps going over and over in his head. Then we see Juan's six-year-old daughter. Don't. That is wrong. That almost sounded really bad. That was not what I said. (laughs) I did not. I stopped myself. His daughter sitting on someone's lap. She's testifying in court. She is adorable, and she's just answering the questions she's being asked. So Todd asks her if Daddy took her to a Dodger game last year, and they cut to Juan, and this man, he is trying so hard not to burst into freaking tears. Like, I've never seen someone try and hold back (laughs) tears so hard. Very emotional and overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, he is not doing a good job. So she states that he bought her candy and baseball cards. She's very cute. Then Beth is back, and she's being asked, why didn't he say something the night that he was arrested that he was at the at a Dodger game? And Beth says, you have to ask him that. And they evidently did, because Juan comes back and says that 
Authority figures are telling me that I killed a 16-year-old girl. He said the date was the last thing on my mind. It was irrelevant to him at that point. Yeah, he's he not going to be thinking. Yeah. He's, I didn't win. When did I kill a girl? You know, like a little girl. That, no, you're not thinking, hmm, May 12th. Let's see. What was I doing? So Todd asked one. I was in the right place. Uh, about the game. He asked... He has a. He said he has a very good ab- ability to remember details and plays when it comes to games. And he said, "I think I may have been filming. They, I think they may have been filming something there that day." So Juan says he's been to hundreds of games there, and usually they don't film anything. But that particular day, they happened to be filming something, and all Juan remembers is security personnel around. And they blocked the aisle, and there was a man walking up and down the stairs for different takes. So Todd went back to Dodger Stadium, and he visited the media relations department. He said the person took out a giant schedule book and starts flipping through to find the date. And he's watching this, and every single page is blank as she's flipping through this until she gets to May 12th. There happens to be an entry on May 12th. So Todd sees a number for an an obscure production company. So he calls this number and they answer HBO. Oh my gosh. He then meets Tim Gibbons, who is a producer for HBO. And he says he got a cold call from Todd and he tells him the situation. And he says, I'm a lawyer and he has this crazy story. So Tim tells him that they usually don't release pre-production footage and that he would have to wait for the footage to be released, you know, to the public. So Tim thinks this guy is nuts and that there are so many people at this game. How in the world does he think that he can help him? (laughs) So Todd says, I need to find anything. So Tim gets a hold of, of Larry and Larry tells, and he tells him about this call and basically uh he's like they think it's us that was filming there that day so then larry david comes on he and he's whistling because he's fucking weird then tim comes back on and starts talking about how uh the show about the show curb your enthusiasm Mm. it was a comedy on hbo larry david was the star and he was also the creator of seinfeld uh tom todd does not know who this person is <laughs> they asked todd when he would come or if he would come down to watch or when he would come down to watch and he says how about tomorrow so this was an episode called the carpool episode and it is episode seven of season four and in this episode larry is complaining about the traffic so he picks up a hooker in the carpool lane and takes her to dodger stadium <laughs> so you get there faster <laughs> So for the show, they didn't they didn't know exactly how they were going to film a scene at Dodger Stadium with a full crowd of people. And uh, Sam comes back and says that they are part of the entertainment for L.A. So they wanted to help. So the actors that were on the show, they they didn't even understand how they were going to film during an ongoing Dodger game. Like it's fucking nuts. The actress that played the hooker is Kim uh, Whitley, and she said that she never even saw any cameras. She didn't know if anyone even realized that they were filming a a TV show. 
So Todd went in and they they put him in an editing bay and it was just tape after tape. He was searching for one. And they come back talking about the show again and they say it was pretty much chaos. They were trying to film around all these people and they obviously didn't want anyone to know that they were filming because they didn't want, they wanted everything natural, you know. So Juan comes back on and says that about halfway through the game, his daughter asked him for something like candy or ice cream or something. So he takes her to get something from the concession stand. Todd comes back and says that there are about eight tapes and he's just putting in tape after tape watching and coming up with nothing. Then Juan and his daughter get, uh, they get back to where their seats are and there is a camera crew in his way. And they weren't supposed to stop people from walking, but if, if they didn't want to be on camera, they were asked to wait. Juan says that they were stopped by this camera crew and they, they said these are paying customers like they can't fucking keep them from their seats you know like they can't keep them for too long so Juan says this guy stopped him and said you know what just go ahead Juan says that they weren't actually letting people in but this guy just let him go anyway then they show a crystal clear shot of Juan holding his daughter's hand walking back to their seats he is perfectly in this close-up shot of larry david walking back up the stairs todd literally jumped out of his seat when he saw this he says (laughs) they played the rest of the tapes and he is in two more tapes with clear shots of him at that game they also have timestamps on each tape to prove what time he was there the only problem is that martha was murdered at about 10 30 p.m and the last timestamp was about 9 15 so he had plenty of time to do that so beth is back Mm. and i don't like her she says that the suspect put himself about 100 150 yards away from the crime scene when he dropped off his cousin around the time of the murder there's also witnesses that put him there and she says the hbo tape is good for nothing juan is not feeling hopeful at this point so they start to look at phone records so Alma, alma was calling him a lot while he was there Todd also contacted the Nextel company and uh, to get some help with the phone records to see what towers they were using. The tower Juan used around 11.10 p.m. was the tower about a mile away from Dodger Stadium, so he had to have been there around 10.11 p.m. So now we meet the judge for this case. Her name is Judge Leslie Dunn. And she is saying that she was trying to record dates, times, phone numbers. She had no idea whose phone number was who. You know, she was. She said she was quite befuddled by this case. All she knew was Juan could possibly be looking at the death penalty. So Juan comes back and says that hearing the words death penalty scared him beyond words, which I couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. I couldn't either. Juan said he had so many court dates. He said he would always go in, sit with his lawyer. Todd would then go back and forth for about 15 minutes max, and then another court date would be set. He said he rarely knew what they were talking about and did not understand what was going on ever. Mm. I could not imagine. The judge is back, and she said she listened to the interview tapes over and over and over again. She said she was anguished by this case and didn't know what to do. She said she asked her kids for help 
she had her kids listen to the interview tapes and she was like what do i do so Juan is back and said that the judge started talking and she was just talking and talking he didn't understand a word that she said then todd leaned over to him and said it's over Juan's like what then we see footage of Juan being released and he's hugging his family and it's beautiful he picks up uh, he picked up todd and hugged him (laughs) he was free uh, now we see footage from what looks like an internal investigation and detective Rodriguez or Rodriguez <laughs> is asked, do you know what incriminating ev- evidence is? He says, yes. He was then asked, were you asking Mr. Catalan questions to try and obtain an incriminating response? He says, yes, immediately. Yes. Now the typical ending text comes on and it says Juan Catalan received $320,000 in a settlement in a lawsuit against the city of Los Angeles and its police force. Then we see more footage from the internal investigation and Detective Pinner is asked if he tried to trick Juan with the lineup of pictures with his picture circled and he says yes. What? More text. Detective Martin Pinner was removed from working homicide cases and his partner, Detective Juan Rodriguez, was transferred into auto fraud detail. (laughs) Both declined to be interviewed for this film. Oh, I'm sure they did. Uh, More text. The FBI discovered that four other men were, were responsible for Martha Puebla's murder. All of them took deals in federal court for life in prison without parole. And then again, the line comes on. There are so many what ifs in this fucking case. And life is all about what ifs. What if Juan didn't go to that mm. to that game? What if the production company decided to film in a different aisle? Yeah. Like so many. He could still be. He could have gotten the death penalty. So this wasn't a case that had a jury then? I'm sure it did. But again, they didn't show any of the inside information about the case. They didn't show anything other than the overall view of what happened. So, like I said, I don't even know how how long Juan was actually in jail. Mm. So, but again, it was a 40-minute documentary. It wasn't long at all. But it's such a good story. It's great. Like, he he got off. It just happened to be filming there that day that's crazy it is crazy if they hadn't have done that i mean what if hmm well it's that happens a lot where people are in jail that shouldn't be absolutely it's that scary. scares the shit out of it, me. yeah i mean literally you wrong place wrong literally time literally going about your yeah. own business and then get arrested and put in jail just like one you went yeah. to work one day yeah it's like what what would you do exactly like thank god for people like todd that are willing to you know not just accept the written narrative or what people want you to believe you know like it's like thank god for those people who are like you know what Mm, this doesn't seem like a kid who would shoot a little girl in the face so let's look a little bit deeper into this yeah because he is he's just like this quiet you know little guy just you can tell he's just 
got a girlfriend taking care of their kids, you know, they're just yeah. normal freaking people. And because some fucking asshole detectives didn't want to actually work. And that that comes up quite a bit. It does. That is scary. Yeah, it is. Detectives should have to pass something every few years, make sure they're not fucking crazy. Because that job, I can't imagine that job being healthy. No, no, it's not. So after it's a not. while, you, I mean, they, it might get to them where they're like, okay, you know what? This guy did it. Let's go home. Yeah. I mean, you never know. So scary. But it's a great Him going That one going into fraud, car fraud, or whatever I, that was, is probably the best thing that ever happened Yeah, to him. probably. Even though it's obviously a demotion, but... <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know... You, can, you should, like... Just their, their faces when they're showing these interviews of them, because you can tell it's an internal investigation because they didn't do their job right. And they're just like... Yeah. I mean, just like so... Like... I didn't ruin people's lives. I mean, mm-hmm. Just like, fuck you. What is it's wrong like with you? one case um, where the kid was, he was autistic or something. Mm. And they just kept interrogating him. And that is also a documentary thing. Isn't that, what is that called? Isn't that making a murder yes. or something? Yeah, Brandon, I his nephew. I was so disgusted. It is. When it's I disgusting. was watching that. It's, it's obvious there's something off, you know, with him. Yeah. And they're going to sit there and go at him like he's just a, a regular, ordinary person. And they even went above and beyond what they should have as far as interrogating him and getting him to confess to something that he didn't it's do. It's awful. My, my, like, the thing, the, the line that they use that disgusts me the most is... Just tell us what we want to hear and we can all go home. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. You all are going to go home. They're going to tell you what you want to hear and go to jail for the rest of their lives. Well, and I don't know if they still do this or not. I don't think they can. I think that's why they started putting video cameras in interrogation rooms. Mm -hmm. Because they would try everything they could to get someone to confess. Yeah. They would have them in there for hours and yeah. hours Deprive and hours. them of food and... No food, no nothing. Yeah. Sitting there trying to get them to confess to something. Asking them the same questions over, over and, and over, over and until and they over. change it yeah. to what they want them to yeah. say. It's disgusting. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I just really hope there are still good detectives and police officers out there and you know all we hear about is is the bad ones there is but yeah we hear about all the bad ones we do and you know i mean that's how it's always gonna everyone they want to get people to watch yeah all you're gonna hear is the bad yeah but it would be nice if every now and then they would you know show someone doing what they should well i guess they do that's like you know that's what this was about yeah. It was about a lawyer that didn't, you know, yeah. didn't give up and the cops suck went in above this story. and beyond. Yeah. yeah. And the other lawyer, I think, I, she, again, she was just like, oh, yeah, totally. That's totally him. No, it's not. Like, if you watch the, if you watch the documentary, again, you can tell they're both Hispanic males. Mm-hmm. And that's where the similarities end. They yeah. both have facial hair. 
I mean, well, yeah, and unfortunately, that happens with black people too. Yeah, they that, do the exact same it's ridiculous. thing. It's ridiculous. Like fuck you. That does not yeah, look like him. That's it's ridiculous. It's it's disgusting, is what it is. It is. They find someone that you know looks a little bit like what the witness says, and no, mm-hmm. it's automatically them. Mm-hmm. No, and they're gonna twist the story to make it work for them. That's so that's so wrong. It really makes me wonder how many innocent people there oh, are in jails around the country. That's, that's so why. Scary. Okay, you know my guilty pleasure is watching the Kardashians. Oh yeah. And I have to say though, Kim Kardashian went to become a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Oh, is like she? Like a real lawyer. Yeah. It showed her on the show doing. I mean, the tests, and I oh. think she, I think she flunked the first one. Like, like the bar or whatever. Yeah, the bar. Yeah. By a, a very slim margin. And I she, think that's pretty normal. She though. retook. I mean, it showed her studying. It showed her do. You know, and she finally she took it again, and she did. She finally passed it. Good. But she <laughs> did it because she helps run some kind of organization with another guy that tries to, that retries people that are in for murder that. They swear up and down they did not do it. Like their story hasn't changed. Yes. Yeah. And she actually, she helped get one guy out. That's great. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Good for her. At least she's doing something good with her... uh, Fame. Well, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to. Well... Her, um, Whether we like it or not... Privilege, I'll say. (laughs) she's, She's famous. Sure. Sure. But, yeah. At least, yeah, at least she's... She seems like a something. really sweet person. She yeah. really does. Like, you know, off camera. I've never I've never watched an episode of Kardashian anything, but they really do seem like sweet people. Like, you know, they they're not mean or anything. Yeah. So they're but. just they're just very successful people. But they you can tell they work hard for it, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, with her, I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, that's great. You know, she's doing something that means something. Yeah, to that other can actually people. help people. Yeah. Yeah, that's and like <laughs> countless people probably are innocent. Oh, in there. I there's probably more innocent people than we would care to know because that is super scary. It is scary. If you find out how many actual yeah. innocent people are in jail. Just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Anyway. <laughs> hope you like the documentary (laughs) i liked it i thought it was good good. yeah it's a great story like he he you know he was innocent and they they proved that he he was where he said he was and so i take it the judge when she asked her kids they're like oh yeah he's innocent i would assume yeah (laughs) because that's what she ended up going with because like even in the interview you know i i do i watch a lot of you know police interviews and all that stuff and you know when someone's guilty you can kind of tell and one was just like um no he's like i don't know what you're talking about i no. like you know it was just like look elsewhere you know he just obviously didn't do this and just the fact that and they planted the evidence against him it's just like fuck you it's mm-hmm. such bullshit it's wrong I couldn't imagine, though, being a detective. No, that'd be hard as fuck. It would be hard. Plus, 
always having in the back of your mind what if i'm wrong yeah i couldn't i couldn't do it no i couldn't do it yeah unless i had like seriously strong evidence i would always think yeah what what if i'm wrong yeah i couldn't do that no way yeah that's scary that's too much for me a little (laughs) overwhelming for me (laughs) all right well you can send in your suggestions um we will take them any documentary that you don't have the time to watch i will watch it ghouls night out podcast at gmail.com you can send in your stories we need them uh rate review and subscribe wherever you listen and we'll talk to you next week later bye